You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hardcore podcast. I have a burp percolating in my throat, and I think I still delivered this intro very well. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And I'm Tom. That's what Pat sounds like right now. The percolator. Well, it's a it's a combination of things. I also I also uh, pushed myself to the limit. Of <laughs> yesterday, I recorded hella material, like a beast. To the limit. So now, what, what's that mean for you? How many songs? One yeah. song? What are we kidding? Uh, come on, come on! I've done full albums in a day. Song. Well, I know, but that was a different time. You used to you also go in. Too. Yeah, you used to go in and, and record an album and uh, be sick, and it'd be like, ah, that's all right, it's fine. Yeah, post nasal well, drip, no big deal. Yeah, now uh, that I'm a pampered uh, little rock boy, little rock star, rock boy, I, yeah. I, uh, I do, I, I shoot for two a day. Uh, and this time I did two plus clean up on a, on a unrelated project demo. So, is, so I, I had to scream. Is Paul Chadwick doing the art for the drug church LP? No, I wrote him actually to do art for something else. And he has not returned my, not returned my message. Did you, that re- sucks, right? When people don't respond, <laughs> <laughs> did you respond? To I don't him? take it that personally. Did you, <laughs> did you respond to him and send him your, uh, custom colored figurine no i did not actually but uh maybe i'll put it in a sock and beat him with it for not responding um have you guys seen the the latest meme set that i've really enjoyed uh the old lady yeah uh sure grandma now let's get you to bed the yes the best one so far is self-defense family used to be a band instead of a podcast network <laughs> that was great <laughs> sure grandma now let's get you to bed yeah that was fantastic know, Mm-hmm. Really good, uh, really good. Create creative people, just changing the you know different mediums. It's all still got to make stuff. Got to make stuff. Uh, so before we get into today's topic, let's shout out some people who make stuff. Our four lovely, wonderful sponsors. Uh, let's let's round robin it. I'm going. I'll say one, then you, then Patrick, you say one, then Tom, you say one. Sure. Uh, run for cover records. Am I next? Uh, to live a lie. Closed casket activities and death wish ink. Mm. Tom, you're gonna you're gonna enter a promo code. It is axe to grind. And what you got to do with that? You gotta spell it out and let let us this be your reminder, everybody, that th- these labels are still pushing very good product in the middle of a pandemic where uh, touring is uncertain, but the releases are still coming, everybody. So. It is important. We were talking about it right before uh, we hit the record button. It's important to the ecosystem of what all of us do and enjoy that you continue to stay engaged with stuff, not, even if it's not touring. Because there's some acts that have put out records this year that we're, won't use their names, but we're a little concerned that they're not getting the fucking sustained hype 
that they right. deserve. So, so everybody pay attention. Pay attention. Re-listen. Go back. Would you miss these past six months? Next week, we're starting a give back to our sponsors where we're each going to uh, do a uh, – we're going to do a combined um, order that we'll make uh, to each of our sponsors. Ooh, well, so, like uh, so yeah, we'll pick one each week for the next four weeks, and we're filling a basket, and we're ordering it live on the air. How about that? Uh, to live a lie, I need you to put out some offensive shirts because that's what I like to purchase online. Okay. We'll, we'll push that. And, I mean, there's uh, there's self-defense merch at the other two of the other three, so that's at least covering the uh, offensive merch lane. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, all right. Um, guys, how you guys doing today? Good. I feel I feel tired because I was awake before nine a.m. Yeah, what's up with your schedule? You you are you regularly getting up before nine a.m. Are you setting it for nine a.m. and waking up right there? What's what's the deal? Uh, I so here's my ritual. I am with a woman who lives in Australia, on the East Coast. That is a twelve hour difference exactly. So I wake up at nine a.m. I call her pretty much as soon as I wake up. While I'm putting my socks on, I go out to the co-op. It's about a 20-minute drive. I order my breakfast sandwich. I walk around the co-op talking to my woman. Then I take that breakfast sandwich. I get in the car. I go the opposite way. Then I go to the YMCA where I have to schedule an appointment uh, to exercise, which I do. I have to answer questions to the mask Gestapo who ask me, have you been in contact with anybody with COVID? As though that is at all precautionary given the fact that anybody can lie to you yeah but we go through these inane rituals because in truth and not to put anybody's ymca on blast but the one day that i had a heart to heart they were very honest that they cannot this particular branch cannot survive another shutdown so then i exercise right and then i come home and in principle i start my uh, i eat while i watch youtube Everybody, I know this is fascinating to you. I eat while I watch YouTube, and then my day starts in earnest at about noon. Is there any kind of water and soap involved in any of these rituals? No, no, no. The sh- the shower is a catch as catch can, Tom. I'm I'm a busy man. Tom, how was your morning? <laughs> Just like the same, same morning right? of the last six months. I wake yeah. up in the morning. I start working immediately. Sometimes I'll shower before mm-hmm. or I'll shower during work. Oh, that's so nice. Off. Like a shower break? Yeah. It's like I don't take lunch. So what the fuck's the difference? Sure. Um, and then I work sometimes until 11 o'clock at night. It's uh, cool. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's super easy. Super cool. Real <laughs> chill. I went out today for the first time in three days. Not a big deal. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, my, my, what's, your, uh, what's your ritual, Bob? Yes. Well, well, it's changed now because uh, the the big dude is back in school, so now I am not parenting uh, all day every day. Um, while while my significant other does uh, a format very similar to what you described, Tom, with the yeah. uh, long times of work, no times outside game. Um, but so now I have a uh, a drop off at seven forty five and a pickup at about two fifteen. But otherwise, now I have this time in the day where where things are different. So so I, I answered a hundred and um, thirty emails today. What the fuck? Uh, so, for us, so the, for, you, for, for, for us, axe to grind. Yeah. Jeez. 
So we're cleared out. We're, when we finish our Patreon recording, I'll be able to clear out the rest, and we'll have an empty inbox, which is nice. And wow. um, thanks, Bob. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but uh, but we got some good stuff in there. Um, and yeah, no, back to so back it's to in-person actual- classes for the big man. It is five day a week in person, wow. small school. But the sure. pheno- phenomenon that he's experiencing, which is interesting, was his class of uh, seven expanded to a class of thirteen Whoa. because of uh, New York, New York City uh, uh, exports. Because oh, yeah. people from New York are going to either their beach house, their mountain country house up in Connecticut or what have you and saying, Oh, I'll send my kid to the school out here and we'll just stay at the, the uh, weekend house for the year because we're not trying to send our kid back to school in in the city. Shocking. It is wild. Uh, Can't blame them. Hey, the school populations are swelling and it's weird. Um, But yeah, otherwise, yeah, my, my, I feel like I actually have time back, which is amazing, but I have a, long list of projects to do and uh now is the time you know so <clears throat> let's uh what are people here for today guys we're here to wreck the dead yeah l- listen everybody it's comeback kid you know what it is if you're of a certain age this is unavoidable except i think at least two of us avoided it so that's let's- an int- that that's gonna be an interesting talk yeah, I think we're going to have a very interesting talk on this one. I, I, I like the way we typically start these, which is to give kind of our personal experience with this record familiarity. Um, Tom, start us off. Sure. Um, I got this record when it first had come out. Um, full transparency, I didn't pay attention to the record before this because they were on like a jesus label. Yes, mm. big big point of convention, pin in it, because we're going to talk about it. Yeah, so I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, so I I just assumed incorrectly mm-hmm. that they were probably like a metalcore band singing Sing, about. Singing about JC. Yeah, honestly. And, it, I mean, you know, I that's really not up my, um, really in my lane. Yeah. So I was kind of, I didn't pay attention to that first record. And then this came out, and I think I heard like a song or two. And I was like, oh, this is actually really well, do you want me to tell you what I think of it or just my... Well, no, no. I, so, yeah, so you liked it when it came out, cool. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, good. Good, good, good. And and you said you bought the record... Yeah, like around when it came out. Like oh, okay. perfect. What is it, so five? 2005, right. Wow. Um, okay, so my experience with it was living in California at the time, working at Revelation. Um, much like Tom, I, I had been aware that this band existed and uh when i was given the the story on it like oh it's guys from figure four and i'm like who's figure four? Oh, they're like a christian hardcore metalcore band from canada on face down you know that christian label i'm like see ya um yeah. and but people are like no no but this is cool and i'm like hmm that's an interesting thing to tell me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, to be very fair with it, I was very familiar with, with who they were. I had probably heard tracks in passing, but it was never something I really looked at or listened to. Um, I heard the single off this, the title track of this album, uh, but, but otherwise never really listened to this record. Um, and as Pat alluded to, mostly avoided it. 
PK, your experience with the record at the time. Uh, so it was everywhere. I acknowledge that I totally must have heard it. Don't think I ever owned it nor stole it. Uh, I definitely recognized the title track. Yeah. So I have been, I have been exposed to this. There's no doubt, Sure. but I don't know where or in what context. So today you had this nose, the swab up and we have determined you've been, you had been exposed to this record at some point for CBS. Yes. I have uh, a a comeback uh, novel uh, 19. Oh, okay. All right. CBK Um, 05. Got it. CBK. (laughs) Yo, I can't think or hear the word rig without thinking about your CBD uh, ad, Tom. <laughs> so, uh, and it's I, I think about that word much more often than than I probably should. <laughs> just rub it on your rig, bro. Yeah, exactly. It's too much. So, um, CBK rig. Um, yeah. No, so come back, kid. Wait the dead. Huge record. Let's let's on kick victory. The, on victory. Let's kick the elephant in the face right here. Uh, come back, kid. Not a Christian band. Never yeah, was the, according yeah. according to them, you know. So let's 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 put that out. What do you, what, PK? Finish what you're saying. Uh, for those of you that it matters for, uh, it is uh, it is not that. However, I had enough contact with that world for whatever reason that, as both the fellows said, it it uh, they those dudes spent a lot of time as a lot of Christian adjacent bands did kind of having to prove that they weren't i don't know how you do that like you have premarital sex in front of a crowd or like <laughs> I, I i don't know what you do but you you, you pretty much gotta distance yourself from because once you're hit with christian there's no like soft christian you're yeah. either you you either have to be like hell fucking yeah dog or you have to be like no 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 and i and i smoke you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so uh, that's it. And I think that that shit's real unfortunate because I know personally, I'm sure that there's a number of, for example, soul musicians or, or, or folk musicians who are probably as Christian as it gets. And it doesn't impact my enjoyment of, of them at all. Right. When you uh, find out that love song is about Jesus and not about his ex, you know, his ex-girlfriend or something. See, I love I love that because the whole time I'm uh, like, if you think that there's like a lustful mourning to something like a yeah. like a like, and, and you're like, oh shit, he's t- he's talking about a, a a dead Hebrew guy, you know what I mean? Like right. that's oh, fucking you filled me up with something. Ah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm with it. Um, so so doing doing the research for this episode and kind of getting into it, I uh, I looked into this because I literally Googled. Is Comeback Kid a Christian band? And as you might expect, a series of articles or different interviews came up, and they established no, they weren't, they never were. The uh, who's the main dude, the guitar player who became the singer, Jeremy, I think. No, what is his Andrew? name? Andrew. Do I know Andrew. Him? Andrew. There That's we go. Right. All right. Fuck. How yo? How bad Look is hardcore you. for your brain that so I knew bad. that? And this so is the bad. first time, this is literally the first time in 20 years that I've heard yeah. this. And I was like, and you mean my dude, Andrew? Yeah. Super no. nice guy. R- yo, I'm so, sure. so, so I have only ever heard that these guys are very nice guys. Abs- all of them. Absolutely. I've never met any of them. Um, even though it's like, I've had several very good friends who are mutual friends with somebody like Scott Wade. It's like, oh, yeah. I just never met Ran him. Ran into but, him. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so 
before we get into all this, major respect to all these guys. And uh, we're, we're going to keep it real and be fair to what is literally a milestone record to many, many, many listeners and even more people out there. Yeah, but, and and yeah. and to tack on an, another caveat here uh, or, or preamble, uh, these like we talk about people's records on this, and this applies for if we're talking about big records like this one, or if we're talking about your demo. Uh, we don't desire to be the final word on anything. Oh, no, no, no. So like we make it like the thing that we do to talk about music. I don't need you to agree with me at all. In fact, it's more fun if we disagree. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's one of the strengths right. of this, this podcast is when we disagree or, or because it's so great that we have different opinions and perspectives. Uh, but th- this is, this is me saying that these dudes don't need our approval. And I want, <laughs> I want our listeners to understand that they've been touring the world without us for a long time. Yeah, We're agree, not going to make any dent. Yeah. Agree, cosign. All right. So, anyways, um, going through this, Andrew has done numerous interviews where he's like, "Yeah, you know, uh, Comeback Kid was never a Christian band." Um, well, isn't Jesus the, the Comeback Kid? I, well, oh. so apparently, the name. This is how deep the research I did was. The name <laughs> comes from a newspaper headline about Mario Lemieux, and I was like, "Wow, how fitting for a Canadian band." Mario Lemieux, Super Mario, great hockey player, and they name it after him. Very cool. Comeback kid. Um, I actually really like the name, by the way. But uh, yeah, but so you did a bunch of interviews where he's like, look, I was I was Christian at the time. He is not anymore, or he wasn't at the time he did the interview. Who gives a rat's ass? Um, yeah. But he was was and then wasn't, so cool. And he's like, you know, to be honest, probably our mistake by putting the record out with Face Down. But he's like, yo, honestly, Face Down was a great label. We had worked with them with Figure Four. They loved the demo. They supported us from day one. They wanted to put it out. We said yes. Then they wanted to put out our album. We said yes. So they were like, we got it. So all this is to say, Comeback Kid, not a Christian band. That said. It's almost like if it's an edge band. You know what I mean? Sure. Like it's like you could be in a band and be Christian mm-hmm. and not be a Christian band. Same thing as you could be straight edge and not be in a straight edge band. Exactly. This is the one part I will say. Yes. They certainly benefited from that audience. It's a built-in audience. Huge built-in audience. And it's interesting because I have a feeling there's at least a handful of people who were from the face-down world who got into Comeback Kid and then maybe Comeback Kid parlayed them into more of the hardcore that was going on, the, uh, what is it called? No, the secular. Secular hardcore, thank you, that yep. was going on at the time. And the more traditional hardcore. So so it's kind of, it's a weird, it cuts both ways. They found an immediate fan base, much quicker than many other bands, because of that. They had people who wholesale dismissed them because of that. And they also brought people into the fold of, a lot of hardcore bands and in this whole world uh, with their record. That's, you know, that's to say that now they moved on to victory for this record. Wake the dead. Mm. Um, Tom, is this their biggest record by any measure? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and it's the last one with Scott. That's right. And from the information I saw and 
knowledge and memory of it at the time. He was with the band for about half the touring cycle on this record and then left. And then Andrew took over on singing and, uh, and they continued and recorded another record. Um, so, so interesting, like, I don't know. Is there is there someone in 2020 who doesn't know about this band at all? Should we give some more context to this? For sure there is, yes. Okay. For sure there are. And particularly, we have a couple of like crust lords that listen to this that I bet don't have a fucking clue. So so right. l- l- right. let's let's do it. It's Tom, also a 15-year-old record. Exactly. Yeah, Tom, let's 15-year-old record and we're saying this was their biggest and they've continued. Like this band I I believe they have a new single out that's not that old that I heard. Yeah. And they um, still tour and they still do quite well. Yeah. So, uh, so the, the single I, the, I checked it out. The single is a uh, a cover of a SNFU song. They're, yeah. They're oh, that's right. Full, it's a benefit cover. Go, going for full Canada. Yeah. Of uh, <laughs> benefit for cover because the singer of SNFU died not Passed long. Away, right. Yeah. That's R.I.P. Right. Um, who who wants to kick it off? Uh, give some context. Comeback Kid comes out two thousand two three. Uh, has this following starts to make waves in both the Christian hardcore scene and the secular hardcore scene. Yeah, I feel like they were like. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They may have been maybe like uh, Amazing Core, Rivalry Records, like a Jace. Uh, I feel like Tom, that's who listened to it. Tom, that is that was the note that I took. I had one note. Yeah. I, ha- I said, I like this song. Oh, so two notes. I yeah. like this song, and this is Rivalry Records on a bigger stage. This that's is exactly kinda, that's exactly what I thought, and I'll yeah. say this: they predate that too. Um, mm. Yeah. So turn around, wake the dead comes out in the heat to to go for the rivalry record scene. That stuff is I I would give it kind of a, a major window from like 2004 to 2009, peaking in that like 06, 07, 08. Oh, range. that late. Okay. Yeah, and it when it dies, you want to know the death of rivalry records, and this is a weird thing to say. Um, and it's not to say it's like everything was over, but but like it essentially yeah. was dead. Was that um, the record aggression by Rivalry? Uh, Rivalry did the vinyl, but it came out on Bridge Nine, and so they left in two thousand eight, and that was this weird like oof. Um, and I, I mean, I, I'll I'll talk about it at some other point, but uh, we should get Kyle Whitlow on to talk about it. But that was a weird thing. And it was sort of like, wait, what the hell just happened? Um, uh, and that was also on. when that scene was starting to kind of uh, implode on itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, do, do you remember? Tell me if I am mixing up Rivalry or another label. Do you, was it Learn that who dumped money into Learn and then they broke up the day the record came out? Malfunction. Malfunction. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, but Learn was right there in that kind of world. So, right. So, all that said. Um, yeah, Comeback Kid, uh, amazing core, melodic, hardcore, modern, hardcore, all that kind of stuff. Sure. They they were sort of, if you were going to put them in hardcore terms, they were aesthetically, vibe, and audience-wise a lot closer to Champion, but musically somewhere between Champion and something like Modern Life is War, maybe? Hear a little um, mad ball. Okay, sure. I can hear you know that. Hear? Listening to it, like revisiting it for this. Yeah. Like kind of listening to it with like a more axe to grind kind of ear. Mm-hmm. I hear mad ball. And you know what I hear that I don't, I, I think will become a, as a surprise to you guys. I hear shy to lose. 
Oh, yeah. I, I can see that. And the melodies, want, like mm-hmm. the guitar melodies. I want to say that I listened to the band Rise Against for the first time today. And not the first time, but the first time consciously because I was like, I feel like this sounds like that. And it does. Um, I can hear that. Absolutely. It's a weird world. So anyways, we can get into this um, more on the sonics of it. But this band was big. They crossed over. They toured with all the big bands in 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 as much as it was a big deal. In 2006, which is the year after this record comes out, their direct for support for the Gorilla Biscuits reunion tour, which did big numbers all around the country and then in Everywhere. Europe. Yeah, so it was... And Comeback Kid did well, did really well actually on those shows. Um, they did a tour. Um, we I have a we have a friend yeah. that was touring with them around then, mm. um, and he said, uh, "Can I? You want me to read you some of his? Yes, please, please, please. Deep, sure. deep cuts. So um, he's like, "Wake the Dead" is when I was on tour with them, and they were on top of the world, and the song was bigger than like any sing along at the time. Like it was crazy. And he's like, and you know you have a hit when you're closing with a song off a record that's only been out for two months. And yeah. then I was like, yeah, they were crossing over to the second Hardcore Kids too. How big were they? And he's like, easily 500 plus a night everywhere. Yep. And, that, um, and he said, I, don't, I think they are non-Christian now and have been for some time, but it's a weird stigma. Even at the time, I don't think the singer Scott was, but Face Down backs you in that corner, yep. which probably helped them for a while. Yep. Um, the venues of the store I'm talking about were your national touring hardcore level, but 90% of them sold out. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a band who, um, in 2005, maybe even before this record, honestly, in Southern California, they were playing the showcase and selling it out or Chain Reaction and selling it the fuck out. Yeah. And by yeah. 2006, they were playing these places and just it was just people couldn't couldn't fall over themselves fast enough to be to see this band absolutely um Uh, related anecdote to what tom was saying the so so actually what you're both saying because that gorilla biscuits it was it gorilla biscuits bane comeback kid no it was gorilla biscuits comeback kid uh gorilla biscuits comeback kids set your glove set your goals set your gloves set yeah set your goals and like Murphy's Law was on some of it. Oh, Murphy's Law was on a leg of it. Yeah, they there was a couple legs of it, but yeah. But now, yeah. now here's the anecdote. When I was talking, come back kid with somebody. This is what somebody shared with me that their band, which was much more goon leaning, uh, was playing cleanup in a lot of towns that just hosted that Gorilla Biscuits tour. Oh yeah, and that Gorilla Biscuits tour might have been successful. Maybe people came out, but. I don't think it's I don't think it's a secret. I don't think I'm talking out of school to say that at the time they were asking promoters for a lot of money. And uh, this yes. person's memory of 2005 is their singer walking multiple promoters to the ATM because everybody was broke was, from the show the other night. Broke from the week before. <laughs> It was a very successful tour. Yes, it was a very successful tour that uh, left no stone unturned. Let's say that. (laughs) Okay, done. Um, (laughs) Smart. Yeah. um, So that said, like, um, why don't we? I guess we should just talk about what we think of the record. Um, Pat, this is the first time you sat with it. It's the first time I sat with it. Tom, you're familiar with it and and recent revisit. Um, I want to ask Tom, 
on the realometer, how hard do we go? Because um, we there, yo. Let me just say, even if I went a ten out of ten on the realometer, I have nice things to say. I'm not, you know, no one's no one's here to be cruel to this record because again, there's going to be people who are listening that's going, you guys are maniacs if you don't like this record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are yeah. like, did you not listen to the same record that I have listened to for the mm-hmm. last 15 years? And there's going to be people that are 100 percent on board with you. Of course. Well, so so I'll, I'll I guess Keep let me real. start. Yeah, let me let me start. Keep okay. Talk, as they say, this record was recorded at. Um, the Blast Room in Fort Collins, Colorado. Bill uh, Stevenson. Owns that. Yeah. yeah. Yo, I just went through the entire list of albums he recorded since 2000. I don't think I like anything that's ever come out of there. Which it's is not, crazy I, to me. But it's Bob, not I'm going to say, say that you and I... Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Listen to this. You and I have a, have different sounds right yeah, yeah, like, yeah there's things we agree on but let's say like i'm gonna say it's not our sound bob <laughs> no, no yo yeah. and, and i mean Tom, diverge and converge and you don't like none of yeah, them yeah, that, that's very true i think when i was looking through though because i was like man there's something here in the production but but let me pull this out it isn't my sound and there is a specific sound and he's also like they've done a ton of shit at that spot but not much that would hit into my wheelhouse. Um, the Koki the Clown no effects single just didn't float my boat either. Um, oh, I thought you owned like every, like the test press for that. No, just you gotta, re- ju- gotta revisit. Yo, oh fuck, pin that one, Tom, for Hard later in this. Ass. Yeah, in this uh, episode. Um, but you know, uh, like the sound of this record, it sounds almost perfect. Sounds huge. Sounds huge. This is arena core. Arena core. I actually think sometimes they hit the sound so well, and I'm like, I, I, this is really good. And I hate it because there was a time when uh, when two friends of mine and I did a festival, and we did a, a DVD of the festival, which entailed having a young guy who wanted a shot to do it to first edit it, and it was his first try, and he didn't do a great job. Yo, shout out to him because he's a listener. No, no hate, love you, love the effort you put in. But but it wasn't, he didn't hit the mark. We then flew in a friend and he basically handcuffed himself to a desk at one of my other friend's house and did it in, did the entire editing of a DVD, double disc DVD in a weekend. And then... We put it out, get it out for the fest, and, and we got to have a, uh, a mutual basically saying right in front of one of my partners, you know, this is – it looks really good, but like almost like too good, like too yeah, professional. love too good. Yeah. I know. And it was like, yo, literally, sorry we just worked really hard and did a great job. But here I am, and I'm saying it almost sounds too perfect. Like it's just – but again, like, yo, there's songs that I'm like, this just sounds exactly like how you'd want it. You know, like, I, I think this overall production is perfect, but it doesn't hit my ears right. Is that weird? No, because uh, it I, has like a pop punk glean to it. Okay. Yep. That's, that's, okay. Yep, you said it. And that's why I went to 
Rise Against sonically. I was like, yeah, this is what I I, think this band sounds like. And I was like, this is a clearly this is a hardcore record. But I was like, this is a hardcore record with the production sensibilities that someone who likes Thursday or someone who likes Thrice. Probably even bigger than that. And short, even bigger than that, could hear this and hear this for the first time and go, cool, cool. This registers at as sort of sonically familiar to me. 100%. No, I mean, I think if you listen to this, any, I mean, like, <clears throat> even the Rise Against stuff, like, if it's not, um, there's nothing offensive about it. Right. The songs are, like, pretty, I mean, like, there's no way you sat down and wrote these songs without aiming for, 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 for the biggest thing you could be. Yes. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, there's, you know, it's very kind of, like, these songs are like not meant to be played in a fucking basement in Parma. You know what I'm saying? Like this is supposed to be <laughs> no, fucking, correct. You're right. You know what I mean? This is this is meant. These to are be, fill a 500 cap venue, right? The first tour, and let's come back through to get 800 next time. Right. This is a thousand. You know, thousands of kids in in Europe singing along to this. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I think yeah, you listen to it like, and I think one of the notes that I had. Mm. And uh, are we just going to shoot the shit? Or yeah, let's shoot have- the shit for a minute. Yeah, that's fine. Um, one of the notes that I had was that this was an entry point for a ton of hardcore kids. Kids that may not cop to it now. But I think in 2005, like there's certain bands that come along that are like, this is my entry point. This is what got me into hardcore because I picked up a fucking you know, a sampler at fucking Hot Topic or wherever, wherever. Uh-huh. There's no shame in however you it's cool, like whatever it is. But I think this was a turning point for a lot. No pun intended for a yeah. lot of hardcore kids that like went from like, I only go to Cornerstone and now they're like, yeah, fuck, I love terror. I'm going to go to the local. I'm going to see bands when they come through now. Yeah. And I think this is like, you know, how like Biohazard was an entry point, how fucking H2O was an entry point. For yeah. some people, I think this was an entry point for like I, I, a whole I mean, generation of people. I yeah, think. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, it's like a full generation of the probably people that are you know anywhere between thirty and thirty-five now. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Fifteen, twenty years old back then. Yeah, and so so hundred percent and. Like I get that, and I'm. I think it's actually. It might be understated right now, but this was a, a generational band. In that way, like you said, H two O. I mean, in that way, Hatebreed. In that way, Terror. Um, yep. yep. And they kind of, they didn't create Uncanny Valley, but they were it. And like I like we we're saying, they bridged the gap for a lot of people to more straightforward or more traditional hardcore to the more melodic hardcore world. Like, like comeback kid to champion sonically is, uh, two skips and a hop. You know what I mean? Uh, it's probably closer than, than terror to champion, honestly. For sure. Yeah. Maybe not as melodic, but I think, um, no, yeah, absolutely. And I think like when we talk about like pro core, yeah, 
oh, I yeah. feel like this is as like, you know, for a second record, this is as pro as it fucking gets. You know what I mean? Like, I think I always kind of equated them to sort of like a Stretch Armstrong. Oh, sure, 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 sure. You know, and like even talking about the Christian stuff, like, you know, it, it, it can kind of ebb and flow depending on your surroundings. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Um, no how how much that. you love Jesus, depending, like, if you're playing with the atheist band or if you're playing with, <laughs> sure. you know, embodied or whatever, whatever embodiment or whatever Pat likes. <laughs> yeah. Zow. Whatever the fuck. Um, but I think, you know, with a band like this, like, it's, you know, this is the band that's like, there's no half stepping. Like, this is, they play, you know, same set every night. Sound like the same every night. Like, there is no, like, Wow, fucking so and so had a terrible off night. Like they yeah. were like a machine. Yeah. Um you know, and I think, you know, I, I, I saw, you know, saw them back then. They did like a tenth anniversary um show for this record five years ago at this point. Sold out um Santos Party House, which is probably about six or seven hundred kids. Yeah. Like far in advance. Um did you ever see I no, you probably haven't, but I will tell you the story anyway. Um Please. so uh uh Rainfest, I don't remember the year. Mm-hmm. Maybe twenty fourteen? Something like that. Sure. Um there was a very, very big NYHC band that was supposed to headline the Sunday night of Rainfest. I say I see said band very late on a Saturday night, still in New York City. So I was like, that can't be good. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going. There's no way you're going to wake up in the morning and fly to Seattle. Like, there's no way. Right, 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 right. So they end up canceling. And the dudes from from um, Comeback Kid happen to be at the fest, like, hanging, including Scott Wade. Oh. They jump up, do, like, a headlining set. Do You would think it was the fucking Beatles. <laughs> it's it, it was when they did. I think Rainfest was. I don't know if it was at Numos or if it was at El Corazon. I'll send you the video. People can see it's on YouTube. It is fucking. But I don't even know if they practiced with Scott since like they stopped playing together. Because this is like before. Then they ended up doing this full tour, right? Like a like a tenth anniversary tour, or whatever it was. You. It's it's almost to like. Like that ceremony sound and fury video from like oh five. Sure, sure, sure. Was it oh five that it's like they opened uh, no, it like oh seven? Uh, uh, when it's just like holy Jesus Christ, like this yeah, is yeah. one of the craziest things I've ever seen. It's almost at that level. Yeah. You know, I like, mean, no, I believe that because how big they were and they were from Winnipeg, I wanna say. Yeah. But they fit in so well in the Northwest Sound at that point. They kind of got adopted there. But, I mean, like, to be very honest, I was living on the West Coast. They were huge on the West Coast. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. With who? Like, out of curiosity? I'm not, like... Modern, hardcore kids. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, They just really kind of... Like, modern, hardcore kids and young kids. Like, Like, here's the deal. On the East Coast a kid who liked mental kind of knew better quote unquote knew better. Right. Right. Than liking comeback kid. But on the West coast, that was one of the same. They liked both. And maybe there was a handful who were like, Oh no, fuck that. Mental's cool. Lock comeback. kid's not. Um, 
but the most part, like every kid who liked that. And there was a whole wave. Like, like we talked, we, we mentioned the rivalry record scene. There was a wave kind of percolating before that as well. The like proto, like these were amazing core bands. They were bands who were all epic and like post Bane. Like that's, that's the thing to remember. Like comeback kid, probably like, if you wanted to comp sonically, it's Bane. They they don't sound like Bane, but they could exist in the same realm as that. And they have. Yeah, and they toured together a bunch. So, like, once you get off the East Coast, I bet, I bet there was almost a one-to-one ratio for anyone under the age of 25 if they liked Bane uh, in 2004, they like Comeback Kid. Yeah, that's all. Yes. Patrick, yes. where are you at on this? Let's let's get you in here. Well, because here, big spoiler, this record's not for me. <laughs> but uh, Sonic, so sonically, it's melodic. It has these um, epic moments, huge room singalongs, arena hardcore, professional, but like all done very competently. Like these players are all there. Um. The vocalist has a strong voice, and though it isn't, to me, it isn't particularly, like, doesn't put, pull me in all the time. There's certain points where you can feel him him get more into it. So, so like, everything's do think, done. Do you think the vocals kind of help root it more in hardcore? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think they know that. I think that's a bit intentional, right? It was, like, if we have somebody who's, if we have a crooner, this record is two step closures to rise against. But because we have a hardcore guy, it's pulling this way. Um, you know, again, not not telling stories out of school, but but there's been many bands who the music was done, and it's like, oh, we're gonna have this dude sing, and it's like, huh, I wonder what that's gonna sound like. Never heard him sing before, and it's like, oh. We thought that was going to be rival. We thought that was going to be uh, Jade Tree because the music was so melodic and almost like indie, and it pivots and it's like, oh, that's Bridge Nine, you know? Yeah, right, right, right. So it, it can be oh, because that's another sonic comparison. I, I hear elements of Strike Anywhere here. Hundred um, percent. I hear elements of um, you know, this is a weird one, but I, I heard this in some of the vocal production and then some of the more epic parts. Uh, I hear parts of like AFI circa um, Black Sails on this record. I can hear that. Okay. PK, where are you at? Uh, I agree with everything and come to a different conclusion. Go. Which is, I do not agree with you guys that this is a particularly uh, pop-leaning record. Uh, I think that there's yeah there's the title track which is obviously like intended to be the banger uh but in general this is just a hair too commercial if that's the way you want to put it i i don't think it i don't think it leans nearly as hard to my ear towards like rise against for example yo then you know what i mean like it it, it uh to me this is way closer to champion than it is rise again. Yo, here's you know the thing, I mean? like, because I think I would have said the same thing. Go back and, and put on one of the rise against records from this time frame. Oh, well, it's so close to it. I couldn't believe it. And like that didn't make me think there was this job. It made me think the gap was smaller. 
Okay, so that's an interesting thing that you said earlier, which was, uh, you know, kids are going to, like, hearing this, people are going to immediately kind of uh, understand, like, oh, these dudes were going for it. But I'd be curious to have our young listeners give this a spin. I bet it doesn't hit them like that at all. I bet to a lot of them, this is straight fucking hardcore. Do you know what I mean? No question. No, I mean... With 2020 ears, and Tom, tell me too. Yeah. Like, I think the production here would lend itself to a kid right now getting into the more melodic or modern hardcore stuff. Like, like, oh, yeah. You know, like, it's, it's yeah. the production. I mean, the production being what it is, is if you were, if you're coming from a, a raw, more raw production you're going to have a hard time, but we're, we're talking about a time where there's certain right. audiences who are like, yo, hardcore is hard for me because I'm used to super clean production, even on my very aggressive music, you know? Right. I mean, think about it in 2005 too. Like who are the other biggest hardcore bands? Oh, okay. you know, okay. Terror. 2005. All right. Terror champion. And like, yo, by the way, um, anyone who's hearing this podcast and you aren't a longtime listener, we're very aware that Champion yeah. had a thing. We, we, we get it, fam. Yeah. You know what I mean? we're, we're speaking in kind of a historical context, so just note that with this conversation. Right. Um, 80%? Pretty fucking great. Sure, sure. Well, and, and just, just for relevance. like and, uh, To be yeah. very honest, I was never a fan of the band, but they were very popular. It's like so popular and, and worked their asses off. So 2005, Champion um, – terror for sure but terror a little bit of the shine had started to wear off like they weren't the new band around but they were they were still titans on the block um have heart right nope have heart still on the rise have heart breaks in 2006 2006. um you have this is kind of the the fading for mental who was big but definitely never hit the heights of something like comeback kid or terror or even even to be very honest champion you know um in terms of how many people went out and saw them what was big in the more metalcore side of things uh, by the way bane was still very relevant in 2005 you know for sure um what was bigger on the more the the more metalcore side of things cuz uh, this is let- this is after the hellfest pop or right here cuz 2005 is the year hellfest breaks right uh, i think it is I- yeah, I think Hold 2005 on. was when they had to is do the, the makeup shows and stuff, and they did One Away Lifetime. I believe that's right. Um, regardless of if it's 2005 or not, the this is after like Trustkill, Ferret, etc. Yes. had all kind of like right. Throwdown was probably huge. Still. Yeah, they had it, they had exploded, and it was like, oh, which of these bands is going to be like. Which of the oh, OC metalcore bands is going to be Avenged yeah. Sevenfold next? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, the the reason I was asking was just yeah, is more because, huh? That that was two thousand five. Like all those bands was was the year was the Trenton year of Hellfest when it got canceled. Yeah, but but check the, check this out. I'm looking. I'm just looking up various like metalcore standards or staples. Everything. Exactly. Everything of, of the wave that made metalcore what it was was winding down 
Yeah, that's like, what I mean. I think this was this was like the bloated version. Like everything yes, was, exactly. was kind of past its expiration point. You know, if you want the honest, this is when everybody was on their Century Media or Metal Blade record. Right, <laughs> so was, right, right, right. It was after. But I mean, the, the reason too, like to kind of bring that up was like, yes. think about those bands and then think of this record. You know, in 2020, like, you know, so, someone who may be hearing this for the first time. Yeah. You know, and is used to this level of kind of like, oh, okay, this production, this sure, you know, sure. In two thousand five, even though they'd play with terror, or they'd play with Bane and all that sort of stuff. Like this was so much kind of like far afield from what was really going on. Oh yeah, it was. You know, like yes, yes. This is this is. And and bigger, you know, like this was on a bigger platform and a bigger stage. Comeback Kid was one of the only. I mean, was there another hardcore band on Victory in two thousand five that we could actually call a hardcore band? Oh, uh, I don't think so, man. I don't think so. You know, I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, man, like look up yeah, like take a look, but I don't think there was. So Pat, go back because you were you had a really interesting point you were saying while while Tom looks that up about the sound. You think it was not going for it, not super pop. I think when I am saying pop, I don't mean pop like No, you you don't mean Kylie Minogue. I get it. No, but no, no. It, and, it, but I do mean I do mean, hey, we'd like to go out and tour. Like I think they're the bridge to touring with Thrice and touring with Thursday and trying to do so these twenty five hundred cap rooms, you know? History history just demonstrates that you're correct, but right. but what I'm saying is, like, to my this might be an age thing, that to my ear this is so much closer to hardcore hardcore than anything that would occupy a similar space today. Right. Oh so, sure, no no no, it's not like what is there even a modern analog to this? Well, so you nailed it with H two O, like these bridge bands, these bands that go bigger than maybe they should, quote unquote, uh, for whatever reason, and that's not to take anything away from them, honestly. Uh, that they just break bigger and then chase that either to either to more success, the same success or less. You know, the three the three things you can have in life, and uh, there's a few of them, right? And H two O is a great example, but and inevitably, it's always the same thing. You get. Uh, kind of too big for hardcore audiences in the United States, but you still do uh, in markets like uh, like Europe where uh, the kid who is a basement kid and the kid who is only goes to thousand caps all go to H2O. You, you know what I mean? Like that, that still works. So, and it's a life cycle for, for hardcore bands. Sure. It's a thing, right? Sure. But the, the bands that, the bands that kind of like crest above and do those larger tours or whatever today. Um, oh, 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 oh. Um, like the bands that have eclipsed bands like knock loose, the, the, th- those bands like, like now knock loose is well loved by many, many people, but it's very far afield from hardcore by comparison to this. Do, do you know? So to my ear, it's just difficult to put this in the context of, this was going for something bigger because it almost sounds like, like it could be, uh, uh you know, playing the, uh, Merrimack Valley, uh, YMCA with fucking have heart, you, you know, sure, like at sure. the beginning, you know? So I feel like this it, is more like stick to your guns level. Like, yes, there you go. Yep. Sure. 
Uncanny Valley Hardcore, like Bob was saying. Yeah, no, and I mean, <laughs> yo, you, Knocked Loose might be a good comparison. So if someone now is aware, like, Comeback Kid was that, was as big as Knocked Loose uh, was. Maybe maybe Knocked Loose has gotten a little bigger, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'd say so. They're but not by, not by but, but at their absolute peak, Comeback Kid felt every bit that big. And to be very fair and honest had that same sort of like um, incongruity, that same sort of weird like disconnect of it being like they are a hardcore band and you can find a lot of those sonic resonance, but also maybe something's a little different here. Um, yeah, but as, as we've talked about, a lot of times that is so much in our head, not our head necessarily, but the, the hardcore kid's head. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It, it, it is uh, because – like this, which to all of our memories, being 137 years old, like we all are, yep, it, we, we, we hear I'm this. 16. We, we hear this and we go, oh, yeah, like you can really hear them going for it. But I really think that this might straight up sound very similar to mental to a 21-year-old right now. Well, and I could be crazy, well, but I think that. I think that they'd be, they would almost hit the same. I, I think it would be different. But if you replaced mental with modern life is war, with sure. verse, with have heart at parts, yeah, but so. not, but there's certain things. So, like, so, like, I did the exercise here, Tom, because uh, when I worked at Rev, one of the bands I worked with and, and loved and were great friends of mine was the band Sinking Ships. Yep. Yep. Who I, played some shows with comeback kid uh you know was always one of those bands i think they were going to do some touring and you know never did or maybe they did once i can't remember but i was like okay that musically is as close as i got to something like comeback kid and right. i was like what are the differences and friendship well friendship for sure for sure right <laughs> i mean like no 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 because i was like i was ruling that in and that's why i was kind of self-examining and and you know it's just a few notes it's like it's like a few reference points it's like okay where and and i could say the same thing for have heart to be very honest it's like oh have heart does a few of these drum rolls that are like straight up hardcore kid things they're straight up like oh this is coming out of a late 80s thing very directly like doing this sure. cool you know this and that like where it's like, oh, Sinking Ships more directly pulled this from Turning Point and more directly pulled this from In My Eyes or more directly is lifting something here. Comeback Kid has that stuff in there well, but they might also be pulling from a couple other sources that we're pulling from that well, right? Yeah. You know? Um, Do you want to hear what the 2005 victory sampler was? Yeah, of course. Please. <laughs> Are you ready? Sitting down. Of course. What's the number one song? Wake the Dead, of course. Okay. Yeah, it Come makes sense. Down. Number two, Sound the Surrender by Darkest Hour. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, number three, Wake Up and Die, A Perfect Murder from Quebec City, I think. Okay. Sounds uh, right. Yeah. Uh, Mordecai by Between the Buried and Me. Okay. Mm. Goodbye, We're Falling Fast by Aiden. Okay. okay. I'm waiting for the Snow Dogs appearance. Go on. Um, Nikki FM by Hawthorne Heights. Mm, a, a banger. Uh, smile in your sleep, Silverstein. Mm. Smile like you mean it by the Killers. 
Yeah, mm. oh, that's a great song. It is. Gold Dust versus the state of Illinois, Spittlefield. <laughs> okay. These are all bands that Pat has definitely played with. Um, or made fun of on his AP Top 100 lists. That's true. Number nine, Devotion and Desire, Bayside. Oh, wow. Okay. Big record. Yeah. Ten, You've Made Us Unconscious, The Audition. I've never even heard of them. Yep. Um, number 11, Get Comfortable, The Junior Varsity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hits. Hits and after 12, hits. The closing it out, the headliner. Uh, number 12, the song call is called Patrick by a band called June. June. What? Okay. June. June. Yeah, like... Yeah. Yo, like, so not even, no, not passing judgment. The only band on that that I would qualify as hardcore, even under a, like my 2020 broad umbrella is Comeback Kid. Would you include anyone else? Either of you? Um, Perfect Murder. They were kind of like, uh, metal sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But more okay. like kind of like another victim kind of. Hey, okay. Baby. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just not familiar with that one. That's probably. Sure, 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 sure. But like I mean, Darkest Hour were like a fucking hardcore kids playing metal and straight up like Gothenburg's like metal. And especially by that point, they were way yeah. outside yeah. the box. Um, yeah. And then the rest of it, like the closest we're getting is between the buried and me or fucking Hawthorne Heights. Yes. Um, I can't make so. It. Uh, <laughs> we, we might we we might have a Silverstein listener as I bet we as, do. Uh, What's yeah, that? You're still big. We have some victory, no, no, no. We have some victory sampler 2005 listeners. I bet. No, no I'm saying. I'm saying one got some real hearts beating. I'm saying one of the kids in Silverstein. I think might listen to this. Oh, shout out! Uh, uh, I think two of them used to come out to shows all the time. Uh, the like when when we played. Uh, uh, Self defense played with Tiger's Jaw in a in like one of those bad fucking snowstorms, and if I recall, like in, in Toronto or wherever the fuck. Yeah, that it was, was a racist era, right? Yeah, yeah. And if I recall, <laughs> if I recall, uh, the dudes from Silverstein were like one of eleven people at those shows. So, so are those, so shout are those fellows them. Canadians? Yeah. Yo, shout out to Canadians, man. They they don't care how big they are. They support. I'm surprised. Well, Justin, uh, I'm support, surprised Justin Trudeau wasn't at that show. Well, he, here's what I'm going with. First, I, I resent the living shit out of Canada. We can get to it later. Their artists are so well supported that I don't even consider them artists. I consider them like pam- pampered babies. But uh, <laughs> it, it, the reason I bring this up is because uh, I heard today, and now I'm confirming it, uh, Silverstein is doing one of these drive-in shows, okay. these drive-in concerts. Okay. And uh, my understanding uh, is that ticket sales are brisk, that people are excited to uh, be yeah, people are excited to view some type of live entertainment. Uh, I mean, presumably they also love so, Silverstein. Uh, yep. Pat and Bob, I have a question for you. It's one of our favorite games. Yes, they hit us. Love it. How many monthly listeners on Spotify? <sighs> My favorite. Silverstein have. Uh, I'm gonna guess eight million. Whoa, <laughs> that's, that's way over. <laughs> Is that Canadian money? Is that like oh, the yeah, Canadian, yeah, yeah, Canadian exactly. listens? Yeah, I thought it was the right. government spo- sponsored listens. I'm gonna say 130,000, Tom. 1.5 million. Oh, okay. fuck See? you. Yes, we'll split the difference and call it 1.5 million. Their um, biggest yeah. song has 28 million listens. Well, I'll have you know that they are going to pack whatever venue this is in Jerseyville, Ontario. So, yo, quick question for you, Patrick, as the only person currently in an active band. If it's May 2021, you still have not played a show and your band starts getting asked to do drive-in shows, what do you do? 
I, I mean, I don't think that's a v- terribly appropriate venue for self defense, but uh, for well, drug self defense, you're saying no. Clearly, we know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> might appropriate for self defense. I mean, well, there's not going to be any moshing at the self defense. Self defense is a no ban. They don't say yes to things. They say no. That's a fact. So yeah, uh, but drug church. I'll be totally frank. I, I mean, do I would tomorrow? do it for the, I would do it for the experience. I don't give a shit. So if uh, it's, if it's uh, that's all right. Let's talk to our management group and talk and see if we can get, um, U.S. tour. Here's what I'm thinking, Tom. You're gonna have to take a little bit of time off. Maybe we'll make it like right. a two weeker. I got some PTO. Okay, yeah. good. Um, Drug Church opens, then Axe Grind live, then uh, Gremlins two. Done. We just show the movie. Well, hey, friends. My name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, everyone. This is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. The acid dream that is Kremlin's too. Yeah, like I think it's just that's just what we're gonna do. Uh, streaming on Not HBO Max, sport. people. Yeah, I think that's that's the move. We're gonna do that. Um, also, do you guys want to do a live axe to grind in Western Mass uh, before the end of the year? Is Morgado booking it? I think so. uh, Chris. Yeah, I think so. Christopher. Yeah, <laughs> Christopher from Western Mass. Yeah. Um, all right, back- be in, in Springfield. Yeah, so we're back to the comeback. Kids. Back to comeback kid. Um, <laughs> so so oh, I got. Can I tell my story? Oh, of course. Fuck, I'm sorry. No, I'm like no. now I become the old man storyteller guy. But no, I go promised on. Go, our good go. friend and avid listener Joe Sansone that I would tell the story. So we have a friend. His name is Carmine. Right, he works in the diamond business. Oh wow, not a hardcore kid. Not even like a guitar person. He's a little older than 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 us. He's probably you know, probably three or four four years older than me. Um, really sweetheart of a guy, like incredibly nice guy. Um, like his, literally his, his neighbor is LL Cool J. Like that's the kind of money this guy's making. Bless so up. we bring him 
to go see Valiant Thor, Bane, Comeback Kid, Strung Out at Lemoore in Brooklyn. Wow. Mm. Fucking it, it, not the combination for that place. So um, he, you know, he goes literally the first and only punk show he's ever been to. He's been for the last 15 years like, I got to come see you play. And he's never come see us. But we walk out and he like he turns to me like really kind of fully genuinely. He goes, you know what? Kind of like that band, the Comeback Kids. <laughs> and then he made some other not so nice comments, which I will. You'll <laughs> will refrain from the rest about. of those. Yeah. yeah. But he was like, I really like that band, the Comeback Kids. And I, I was like, like that. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. So I don't know if he like he's probably one of the, you know, 100,000 people that bought the Wake the Dead record. That's, or more. I don't even know how many people. Fucked I bet a lot. Um, so is it? Oh, okay. So to the to the sonic qualities of this record, we made a lot of references. I want to point out the song "Talk Is Cheap," which I think is the fifth song on the record. Tom, do you know this song at all? If I pull it up, I, I would know it as soon as you play it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. it sounds like blacklisted. Like, what, not be shocked. Bob, which track? Track five. Okay, Talk so I cheap. thought the, I thought the second half of the record had more hardcore that makes sense to me and blacklisted would be that but that's early on go well, on talk is cheap i mean it might it, it it has this like almost to the point where i was like i was looking up like yo is this like a weird like distra- what's the story on this because it really sounds like a blacklisted song um and it doesn't sound out of place but but so then i was like okay and and you know another another reference i, I heard on this record was i heard a little bit of american nightmare um, which would make sense for the timeline and the age of these guys. Not, I mean, one of the signatures of American Nightmares was his voice, one. And then two, some of the like Tim Bomb weird guitar stuff. That's not what I heard. But I heard some of the song structure stuff that was like, oh, you could have pulled from the AN well here. Um, I feel like AN was like baked into the DNA of all non-metalcore hardcore. Non-metalcore or non-like pulling... Uh, non-rejecting it you know what i mean if you move out of the right, fa- right, right. yeah like like the locking out stuff did its best to push away from that like if you want a real topic i think there's a reason that whole locking out scene sounds like it does because it was really trying to do hardcore that sounded not like that you know what i mean like yeah, okay. very intentionally so um but but and i don't say this as a dismissal like it actually is a strengthening I hear a lot from this record pulling from not peers, but contemporary sounds and synthesizing it in a pretty unique way, but they're pulling from stuff around them in exactly the way that we described that would enable people to get on their boat and then dig in and find other bands, you know, and to get in to kind of discover hardcore. And like, so to say that isn't to say it in a dismissive way, but actually to shine a light on this whole thing, hardcore has, and, and music at large, but hardcore is what we talk about, has for a very long time been influenced by peers and contemporaries. And uh, this is definitely an example of that. I think this record has a lot of that going on. Um, and they just kind of took it and uh, presented it in a way that had broader appeal. And that's a better way than saying like, go for it but they definitely were going for it you know like they were excited to play big rooms and like yo you get it you you see a a show played to a thousand people all going nuts 
and it has a different feel than than the show where it's like a hundred people who are kind of into what you're doing. Absolutely, no one's turning that down. Well, I'm sure there's some people that would turn yeah, it down. Maybe but yeah. I, I'd be one of them. Maybe self defense family. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> um, but I mean, so so here's here's the here's a question for both of you: Who is this record for? At the time, who is this record for? And today, who is this record for? I mean, I feel like at the time it was like I, it's it's really hard to say because I feel like you know we talk about like oh they're really going for it, but there wasn't really going for it in two thousand five. Like we're trying to make it kind of like you know oh there were like equivalent of knocked loose. Like knocked loose is giant out of, outside of hardcore. Yeah, but like what band in two thousand five was like hardcore kids like them, but. They're also playing fucking festivals with like Rob Zombie. Nobody. Because before that, the bands that tried to do that all flopped. Yeah. H2O flopped when they went for it. Snapcase flopped when they went for it. You know what I mean? I wonder at this time frame, kind of we noted, like those bands flopped. Some of the metalcore, like Hatebreed didn't flop. No. But no one would accuse Comeback Kid of trying to sound like Hatebreed. True. Some of the AFI people, I think AFI maybe, but like Thursday, Victory, Thrice, Rise Against. Um, you have what's this? You you have that world. You have the OC metalcore stuff that never really succeeded, but definitely had a peak. Um, and it was sort of like a burbling, gurgling, and kind of percolating to swing back to that word that maybe one of these bands could, could catch and maybe comeback kids. The one who came the closest. Yeah. I mean, I think in 2000, like I'm looking cause I don't, I didn't know like kind of, I didn't have a gauge on like when rise against became like a thing, thing. Yeah. And that was, I mean, their first, the real big re- first record was 2004. Right. And that was the record with, um, with sassy from, uh, reach the sky on it. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, they're big. Yeah. I mean, and that had like that, uh, it had a ballad that swing life or swing yes. life song. That's what I mean. That's kind of what broke them, and then people stuck around for the the other stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I can see. I don't. But I, again, like I, unless we ask those dudes directly, right. yeah. I don't know if they were going for anything. They were just no. like, "Hey, we're going to write a hardcore record." That, you know, that's bad. That brings in Madball and Propagandi and Shy Halud mm-hmm. and whatever. But like, we're going to like fucking make it. You know, as as memorable as possible like i don't think they i don't know if they were necessarily like going for some specific thing no i don't think so either i don't think so either i I think that they just just, exactly they just kind of there was this eye on what could be big and and like yo by the way we're still talking and it's weird to say we're still talking the cd era oh yeah. yeah yep so they were moving units that thing was at best buy end caps everywhere Right, and this is also like the 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 probably the hate. Well, maybe not the hate. Well, maybe the heyday. I don't know. I'm, I was an adult at this point, so I don't really know. But like, Hot Topic was a big, yeah, like music mover. Yep, they were. This is this is Hot Topic's peak. This is probably a few years after the peak of CDs. Like, like you're starting in 2005 to get the uh, the downloading music stuff. Right, but right. like. Yo, 
there was conversations like, yo, I, I, there, there was conversations about like, oh, should this come out on vinyl still? Like, maybe we shouldn't put this on vinyl. Vinyl surge hadn't started again, um, yep. which, you know, happened a few years later. And, um, and yeah, finally this, has overtaken CDs. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like this year yeah. for the first time crazy? in like, since like 86 or something. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so when I listened to this record, my favorite song was the song that sounded like Blacklisted. Um, and it definitely does. I listened to it like very quietly okay, when you mentioned right? it. It's, it's, it starts off and I'm like, oh my, yeah, yeah. If it wasn't a more melodic singer, I'd be like, oh, this is totally like Blacklisted. Yeah. Black- like he's just got, they got the, like that, th- that like bouncing bass, like thuddy, like reverberating. Yeah. 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 So, so if anyone has a backstory on that, hit me. But, um, this didn't, I was happy to give this a listen. I think as far as my expectations for it, Pat, what you said might be right. I didn't think it was, it was not nearly as offensive as I would have imagined it in 2005, 10, 15. It wasn't offensive. And like to those dudes, I'm sorry for thinking you're, you were a Christian band who wrote offensive music. You weren't, you wrote big room, hardcore, uh, that was close to certain things that I liked. That was two steps over. Um, for me, like when I asked that question, I'll throw it back because it's tough. In 2020, who's this record for? I mean, to okay, I'm I'm guessing that literally somebody can come into this without the stigma that I might have had on it, and mm-hmm. if you enjoy, if you enjoy the type of hardcore that Patrick doesn't like, you might really like this. And that can, ex- that, that could be, uh, sure. That could be champion. That, that could be anything from the locking out, uh, field that could be, um, that could be some Boston stuff that, you know, everybody on this podcast likes it, it, it yeah. could be all of that. Oh, this is, and, and this is squarely amazing core for people. Like this is squarely like, this is what it is. It's epic. It's yeah. melodic. It's clean production. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there'd be a lot of people listening to this that haven't given this band a shot maybe because a they're old now and b uh maybe their sound is taking them in different directions or whatever this is still a hardcore record and i bet that like like listen I, it's weird with these bands because i don't know like if i said like yo if you like pummel you could definitely give this a shot and maybe you'd like it but i feel weird with that because i don't I really don't know what dudes in in bands like Pummel are vibing on right now. Are, are they sure, like? Sure, sure. W- would they would they like kind of low key like be like, oh no, that's the commercial thing. We we're down with it. you. Know what I'm saying like it's hard sure. to say what what people receive it as. But like, yo, if you're into that type of hardcore that it, that is aspiring to something a little bit bigger, but also always comes back to the hardcore drum beat that I fucking hate, then there's, there's a lot of that in this. Like, yo, I, I, okay, straight up. I don't hate this record. I don't feel that strongly about this record. I hate this style of hardcore and it is here. It is done totally capably. I'm not that mad, but it almost makes me matter when I know that everybody involved is a very good musician who are still doing what in hardcore to me is like the most offensive fucking things, which is <clears throat> going from hardcore drum beat to 
totally uncomfortable transition. I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. I, I like when people remember when like Code Orange was popping and breaking through, and everybody's like, "Oh, these songs don't transition." And we said that, right? Like we'd be like, "Okay, well, this is either a bug or a feature." Yeah. Yo, yo, hardcore, straight up hardcore does transitions worse than any type of music that has ever existed more so than acid jazz anything you might, angular that crazy. might that might be something that throws me here because these these songs do have parts and it's but it's not riffarama like there's some core it's not riffarama at all but the transitions are what the transitions my, yeah that's probably true up, there, the, and it's not yo so here's here's the thing maybe this is a difference between comparing this and say the code orange i think the code orange transitions actively awkward and somebody would go yes that's intentional somebody else is like i think they're trying to do that ew yeah with something like this i think you could say that the transitions are passively um awkward like they're not they're just going oh and then we can just move into this next part it's like wait we're just doing it but but, and and that hardcore drum beat you don't like enables that so easily uh, yeah, and we should point out that this was a th- th- this is a style. Like, just because oh, I fucking yeah. hate it, th- like, yo, that like two step into part that doesn't make any fucking sense to me, given where we just were. Like, yo, that is the foundation <laughs> for like ten years of hardcore music. So, you know, your mileage may vary. There's going to be people that fucking love that sound. But here's what I would say to our listeners: is if you like what we often call straight down the middle hardcore, we don't say that as an insult because God knows we, we all like some of it to varying degrees. Some of us love it. If you love straight down the middle hardcore, this is it's, this is straight down the middle hardcore. That is just somewhat more likable to your cousin. That's it to me. Like, so anybody can, anybody that likes hardcore could like this. You just, but if you hate this style of hardcore, you're not going to like it. That's it. Right. And if it's taken out of like the context in, in which it was released in 2005. Yeah. And you don't know the backstory. And yep. someone, like, your cool older cousin was like, Hey man, I'm getting rid of some. Check, yep. mm-hmm. Check this. I feel like the stigmas that we all had. Yep. And, don't apply. You know, like, I mean, straight up. I mean, I can tell for, you know, like Bob and Patrick were like, yeah, we're on that like fuck victory records bandwagon in 2005. I can almost guarantee that Yo, knowing I was like post yeah. that because it was like victory. Yeah. Clearly who gives a fuck about what victory weren't records. even thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You know? right, right. So it's kind of like, you know, so this would never hit your radar, but like, I think if someone heard this kind of like just as the music itself, like, I think, like you said, like it's, it's something that like a kid who likes fucking mind force could like a kid who likes fucking Jesus peace could like. It's something that a kid that likes pummel that likes, you know, like any of like it, it, this is literally for everyone. And sometimes that's cool. Sometimes it's to their own detriment for certain folks that it's kind of like a friend to all is a friend to none. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I feel well like that, to a lot of folks, that's what this is. It's kind of like this is fucking easy. Like I didn't have to struggle to like, you know, like to hear that, like this was not, you know, it's very kind of, um, but like, I think I do hear what you say about the kind of transitions. I think it's, you know, like thinking about it as you guys were talking about like code orange and like, Mm -hmm. I feel like code orange. And I think this, I mean, if, if listening to their full records, I don't think they write songs per se. Yeah. 
and not in a bad way. I think they write like these like sweets that you're supposed yeah. to listen mm-hmm. to the whole record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're supposed to listen to like three in a row. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure, it's sure, not sure. supposed to like this the hits, like the the you know, bleeding and the blur and stuff. Like that's a fucking song. But like I think the other stuff, it's kind of like if you just listen to this, you either heard a 20 minute song and you didn't realize there were five different songs involved. Like for the code orange. Sure. Stuff. Yeah, like yeah. I think it's kind of like there's there's odd transitions because I think it's just kind of meant to be like absorbed fully. While these are more kind of like definite songs, I think um, I think the title track is still a banger. People still lose their goddamn minds for it. Um, I like the song um, "Partners in Crime," the one that starts with the uh, drums and just vocals. Uh-huh. I thought that was cool. And uh, the, the song "Our Distance," um, kind of melodic. His voice, in a very strange way, reminds me kind of like a little bit when he tries to like do that singing scream of Ian MacKay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I I can hear how bummed you guys are by me saying that. No, no, no. no, no. no, no, no. I, I, to be honest, I think he, I think he's got a very capable hardcore voice. One hundred percent. All right. So here's my question for you guys. So when this first came up as one of the potential um, record club yes. records, I felt like I, I went up to both of you and kicked you directly in the lower region. Yeah. Because you both were like, fuck. Yeah. Like that this was like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> no, the truth yeah. is I- – Truth is, I really enjoy these exercises, uh, particularly, look, a thing that we haven't addressed and is usually a big deal when we talk about these records, these are good song lengths. The, the, these are, like, this record was not painful for me at all because it actually moved. You know what I mean? I think Wake the Dead is overlong, and I, uh, it's the, pardon me, guys, it's the tackiest fucking track on this thing, but... It it's is got several, uh, several choruses yeah, in the whole yeah, 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 exactly. The like, rest of the like, record like, actually does move. It moves. It's eleven minutes. Eleven songs, twenty-five minutes. It's not that long of a record. Not at all. So, so I, I was, I wasn't pained by this, uh, and uh, no, I, I, I like the stuff. Worse than you expected. Um, I th- yeah. honestly, this isn't me. This isn't like me pushing here. It's exactly what I expected. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it was tough for me, but, but it's because I didn't want to be mean i want to it, it forced me to think about some different comparisons of this record and where it is um so no it wasn't it wasn't as painful as i thought it would be and sorry anybody who loves this record it, it's cool I, it's cool that you love it and it's okay that i don't love it um but no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't uh, a kick in the balls good yeah um, I still like this record after revisiting. It's still fun. And we, it's cool. I, I, I just really like, I would be curious to do like on episode 1000 from us, uh, yep. we should do like the also rands of the rivalry era because yeah. I think I just, I think this type of music, like, you know, and some of our listeners like to clown me and be like, Oh, you mean hardcore? Uh, <sighs> th- this type of music is a total pill for me. Like, th- like this style. And basically you want to be honest, Almost anything that you can reasonably two-step to, I think I fucking hate. So, <laughs> so, so like, this was a challenge. Okay, so uh, before we get into what our next record club record is going to be, and I'll share that with you guys, um, I'll share a couple emails. And I'm sorry I didn't 
there's only a few here. We I think we're going to get more when we announce this, but but we because we announced it, we got a few people who were really excited. Um, so Kyle wrote us and said, "Looking forward to hearing your takes on Comeback Kid and Wake the Dead." I was 15 when this record came out. Tom, you nailed the timeline, and was put onto it when the song "Wake the Dead" was featured on an Atticus comp. There you go. That that song compelled me to go out and buy the record immediately, which would make it the second hardcore record I ever purchased after Black Flag Damaged. Says a lot. Wow. That that is quite a jump. This band and record were formative for me to say the least. Growing up in the Midwest, I saw this band at least once a year between 2005 and 2010. And some of my first shows playing in bands were opening for Comeback Kid. My first stage dives were to this band. That's cool. It was a welcome change of pace to be able to see an actual hardcore band play my hometown to break up the insane metalcore slash deathcore slash whatever tour packages that would play my hometown. Yep. Comeback Kid also introduced me to bands that would eventually become some of my favorite hardcore and punk hacks via their MySpace. Awesome. Remember when bands would have album covers of records that influenced them in their About Me section of their MySpace page? Yes. Notably, Have Heart and Bitter End also did this. Anyways, Comeback Kid had Lifetime, Hello Bastards, and Madball set it off in theirs, both Game Changer mm-hmm. records for me. Favorite track? Talk is cheap. Sorry for the long email. Love what y'all do. Peace, Kyle. Kyle, thank you for the Thanks. email. Um, yeah, like exactly what we went through. Um, let me read one other. Let's see. That was Kyle. Steven. Can, can I read? Uh, yes. When I, when I put this out to the self-defense family group chat. So uh, self-defense family group chat probably has like, 12 people in it and i would say any of them like hardcore yeah there's four who are uh certified yeah yeah, certifiable enter one of the four or one of the so he i won't use any names maybe you can guess (laughs) some of them i i asked the question i don't even know who's in your band so this is good this is a good exercise (laughs) i said could you guys do me a favor and listen to the first song on the comeback kid record wake the dead and tell me what type of music you'd call it First answer, music from future marketing execs. Second answer, this song is hot. (laughs) Third answer, snowboard video game soundtrack rock. Also, this album fucking slaps. Reply to that from the guy that said this is hot. I've never listened to Comeback Kid before. I love this. Response from the guy who called it snowboard music. This is their best album, in my honest opinion. The one before is cool, too. Then... Somebody adds, <laughs> then somebody adds warp tour hardcore and then somebody adds some kind of preteen cornfield rock then somebody adds i can hear the bible study and then <laughs> and then the only name that i'll use is ian yep. posts a meme that we've all, all already seen like we haven't seen it yeah gets yelled at yeah and uh, and said dude keep up we're talking comeback kid and he said, and his reply is, I'm sorry, but it's hard for me to care what you ancient fucks are talking about. So, <laughs> so th- th- that's how I'm surprised how that this, wasn't a voice note. That's how this room feels about Well, yo, what a fraud. He's old. Like, yo, that's an old motherfucker yeah, now. So f- know, fuck him. I know. Oh, Ian? Yeah. Yeah. Ian, Ian is like on the other side of 
like he's too old. I think he's like 36 or 37, actually, right? He's like Something 43. Like Something like that. Um, well, I'm psyched to hear uh, Comeback Kid be the intro music for the next episode of Overnight Drive since it slaps, Andrew. Um, <laughs> so uh, let me read this. This will be the last email we read. Um, Steph, Stefan says, um, I have an interesting relationship to Comeback Kid's Wake the Dead. This record came out around my senior year in high school. So say 18. Yeah. I remember yep. getting a lot of flack for being a little too poppy, conventional, and polished. Most of the people I knew who liked hardcore had some pithy remark about it, but also secretly loved it like I did. Oh, I bet a lot of that, yeah. <laughs> Out of all the Axe to Grind Record Club selections, this is the one I am most familiar with, so I thought I would take it track by track. He's quick. False awesome. Idols Fall. This is my favorite track on the record. Guitar harmonies are nice on my ears. In general, I think the guitars and vocal harmonies are the strongest part of Wake the Dead. Hmm. My other side. More cool guitar harmonies in the verses. The mosh part at the end is the best on the record. The guitar harmonies don't do anything for me on this record. Just nope. as a thing. Wake the Dead. They're very halute. Yeah, they're, they're very halute. That's That's a good point. Uh, Wake the Dead, a fitting title track. I dig the two-part harmony with the gang, gang vocals. Something I don't hear of a lot in melodic hardcore. That call response is so popular that I'm shocked it's not used more. And like as a result of this record, I'm shocked it's not used more. I... I, I hate this song. Yeah. Go on. Me too. The Trouble I Love, I can take or leave this track. The guitar and vocal break is the only strong point. Talk is cheap. Here I can see where the comeback cr- kid critic can really go off. This song has some recycled and tired hardcore lyrics like keep talking away and cashing in on your petty words. I love the crunchy gain on the bass intro. A decent mosh part at the end. Mm. Partners in Crime, another track I can take or leave. Again, guitar harmonies in the chorus are the strongest part. Our distance, the vocal dynamics are cool on this track. I enjoy the fat mic style clean vocal on means to an end. Hmm. Not a th- not a thing I expected to hear today. Nope. Go on. <laughs> Bright light keeps shining. Not much to say. Another song I can take or leave. Falling apart. Most notable on this track is the last riff that turns into an offbeat mosh part. Comeback yep. Kid sounds as if they are literally falling apart in a good way. Uh, this song into the next song or the two tracks on this record that I like. Okay, there you go. Losing Patience. A nice build-up in the beginning with the guitars and vocals. Not much else to say on this one. Final Goodbye. A fitting and hopeful end to this record. Complete with all the strong points and tricks from previous tracks. Guitar harmonies, sing-along, a mosh part, and some well-known lyrics about life and moving on. After my revisit to Comeback Kid, I do have a question. Is Comeback Kid melodic hardcore, amazing core, or an edgy rise against with a mo- with mosh parts? Fuck. Yes. I guess go. all of the above. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes is correct. Uh, and then they ask, can we have a Patreon-only record club? Uh, maybe. Let's figure that out. That might be something we do for the Patreon. Uh, and let them discuss. Like, let, let them, them pick. That might be. Oh, fun. that's a good that's idea. A good one. Sure. All right. So, guys, I am picking the next record club. I have Hit us. I have three in mind. None of them are on streaming. No, 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 no. They are. They are. They are. One is not, I don't think. And that's oh, let me check really quick. Um the one definitely is. So we have the one that's kind of uh uh like the this is gonna decide on the two that I'm giving. Um oh yep, that's there. The only reason I'm being, I'm saying this because I'm at that the age that like YouTube is not a streaming service to me. Yeah, I know. Like someone's like, oh, the whole record's on YouTube. I'm like, that, I'm never going to listen to it. Yeah, listen. I mean, every, I will. Everybody. Exercise, obviously, yeah, but like, of course. I'll 
either I, I have the record and I can listen to it myself, or I can find yeah, it. Yeah, no, you, yeah. This these records you, you'll have or can get very easily, Tom. Everybody, check this out, L- listeners. We are not so old that we're into Pandora, but we're not of the <laughs> uh, we're not of the listen to music on the most compressed uh, outlet available uh, with the worst upload, which is YouTube. Yo, but you love YouTube too, though. So I do. Now, well, it's perfect for that. It's perfect for bad punk. Okay, so it's perfect. Then here are the two records. We're gonna skip it. My my one was gonna be Vision uh, in the blink of an eye, but we're gonna skip it now and hold it for later. Um, okay. Okay. What else? Because it's not on streaming, and we need to rectify that. Like I'm gonna actively work to get that on streaming, yeah. so we can do. As that. a Jersey guy, that seems like an obligation. No. Um, it's just one of those things. It came out on nemesis and then was picked up by like cheese box or something like it's uh, cargo it was in some weird hell sure we're doing no effects the decline can i pass nope and murphy's law back with a bong that's good two two records no effects the decline um is a one track 19 minute song I think maybe four. Yeah. 19 minutes. I think uh, it is on streaming. We will do that as a mini episode and Murphy's law back with a bong. The second album is the, uh, the actual full record. So uh, very fun record. So we're doing both of those. We're doing both of those and we'll do them. Okay. We'll do, we'll do both of them kind of concurrently, but we'll do kind of like a mini or a half episode for the uh, no effects record. But uh, Tom, have you ever heard it? No, I've literally only, and I actually quite love Punk and Drublick, and I hate literally everything else I've ever done. Same here, except The Decline. And I'm so fascinated Patrick, to hear what you have to say about it. Um, Patrick, have you ever heard this record? Nope. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about it. So uh, those are our next two for the record club. Uh, anything else we want to touch on before we get going, guys? Mm, I think that is all. Thank you to Comeback Kid for being the uh, live subject. Oh, so, hey, uh, Tom, want a surprise? Always. Also, uh, before you do that, Pat, who has more monthly listeners on Spotify? Oh, yeah. No effects or Silverstein? Uh, It's not a close Uh, one. No effects could have – if you told me that no effects has 10 million, I would not be surprised. Oh. Silverstein has more than a half a million more than no effects. How insane is that. that? I'm shocked they have by that. Literally, uh, no effects is one one million seventy six thousand six hundred nineteen. I'm and, shocked and, by that. And sent, uh, 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 Silverstein was one million five hundred fourteen thousand or something like that. That's insane. You know, wow. Just yeah. just as Bob is going to rectify the vision not being on streaming, I'm going to listen to no effects over a half a million times to solve this problem. It's about time. Listen to Punk and Trouble. That's the best record. Listen to The Decline first. And I mean, Punk and Trouble will give you some uh, context. So uh, everyone for the Axe Grind Record Club, um, we have The Decline by No Effects and Murphy's Law back with a bong. Um, What's the surprise now? Hey, Pat. uh, Yeah. Live on Axe Grind. It's Drug Church. Thanks, everybody. Hey, welcome to Live on Axe to Grind. I almost said it. I'm I'm, Patrick. I'm Bob. I'm Tom. And joining us today is... Drug Church. What's up, dude? How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm apparently the representative at the moment. For the moment. um, How's the tour been? 
Tor has been productive. This is going to come out in months and months, so it will seem like... Which tour oh. are we talking about? We're talking about the Thrice Me Without You Drug Church Holy Fawn Tour, which is uh, currently circling the United States. What has been your personal best day of tour? Uh, so... No disrespect to Thrice, but Thrice had to uh, cancel a show, and that the, our makeup show was potentially one of uh, the the better shows in terms of you know got to play a small space when people went wild, so that was fulfilling. So shout out to the people who set that up, big yeah. thanks. So uh, let me let me get around to the band first. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves or not? Let's let's not do that. You don't have to introduce yourselves, but you were asked a question before recording wow. while Patrick was uh, using the facilities. What is the worst thing about being in a band with Patrick? One of the worst things about being in a band with him is that he gets irate when you try to throw his trash away in the van, even though he doesn't clean up after himself and we have to clean it up at the end of the tour anyway. Okay. Do you have an excuse for this? Yeah, yeah I have strong feelings about property rights. Okay. Worst thing about being in a band with Patrick? Uh, worst thing, um, he can never be wrong. Ever. I mean, I think that's, that's the worst thing about being friends with Patrick, too. Right? I have strong, fi- I have strong yeah. feelings about being right. Okay. <laughs> um, if it's not a place he wants to go, he'll throw a fit. Oh, yes. Ooh. I just deny that outright. <laughs> um, the worst thing about being in a band with Patrick is it's like just a constant state of like a mild form of gaslighting. With his strong opinions that nobody else shares. And it makes you feel like you're going crazy. How often do you think, do you feel like there are opinions he actually holds? 15%. Right. I think that's true. I think that's true. One of the big, do you got one or are you sitting out? I'm, curr- I'm currently being okay. gaslit right now. Wow. Okay. It's happening. I felt all of these things. Okay. What's the best part about being in drug church? You're in, you've been in bands. Yeah. We've, we detail that far too often, according to our audience. Oh. But what's, yeah, yeah. Our audience got a problem? Yeah. Specifically, more, more Tom band stories, less Patrick band stories. But. I don't even have stories. What I know, I know. I try to tell them that's your only way of. I've got 10 seconds. It's your anecdotes. only way of relating as a human to other people. Anecdotes. What's what it is, cost them? What's the best part about being in drug church? Oh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, at the the isms and phobias that emanate from the van. Mm-hmm. There's a it's a very uh, uh, not woke van, mm. and that's from my taste very comfortable. <laughs> it's not the like clear band of brothers attitude you guys have, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Everybody, this is drug church.
up to Belmar, New Jersey.
What other parts of Jersey have I forgotten? Perth Amboy. Um, Midrift. Habokistan. What is it called? What's the place that we're recording? Delmore. Delmore. No, no, no. The, what's the name of the town we're recording? It's like Hoko. It's like Hocus Pocus. Hopaticon. Hopaticon, New Jersey. What else we got? North Jersey, South Jersey.